This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to uh, not sunny, not at all, uh, even really temperate California. He's Danny Shirey, I'm Dan Kovacevic, we're from DK Pittsburgh Sports covering the Penguins trip out here. A one and one so far, the split uh, between Anaheim and LA, and why did that feel a lot worse than a split? Uh, well, probably because of the final score of yeah, last night's game against the Kings. The the interesting part about that game was that the Penguins, they were on the second night of a back-to-back. They had to sit through the agonizingly mm-hmm. long jersey retirement and statue unveiling for Dustin Brown. Puck drop wasn't until 8.08 p.m. local time. And they still came out, and they had their legs. They were forechecking. Yeah. They were forechecking well, and there were stretches of the first period, even though Casey DeSmith let in a couple of goals that period. There were stretches where they were really giving they the Kings – They looked good. They were giving the Kings yeah. fits, getting out yeah. of their zone. Um, they, they did struggle, I thought, a little bit to, to turn that zone time into real high-octane chances, but they still had some looks. Yeah. But then everything kind of The fell one off Zucker had in the slot, for example, where it, it doesn't register as a shot on goal, obviously since he missed it by a mile, but that's – Against a goaltender with an 897 save percentage, you want that in. Yeah, and, and we've seen him score goals like that mm-hmm. this season. He's been using his his utilizing his one timer a lot more and and kind of hopping out into those soft spots in uh, in the offensive zone and in the slot. That was exactly what we saw. I just didn't hit Tom. If you're new to these sessions, uh, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you can leave us a question or a comment or whatever it is that you want. And we'll put it up on the screen here and and take a look at that. The next game is Tuesday night against the Sharks uh, up in San Jose. And I got to tell you, I need to see Tristan Jari in that net. I, I'm not – I tell you, I don't like picking on guys when they're hurt and whatever. But once you start developing a history and you start reading between the lines of stuff that so-and-so is saying, including in public, you know, play. And I, and I, I have a feeling he might be st- – I think the Penguins might be planning to start him anyway. The The last time the mm-hmm. Penguins started the same goalie in, in both games of a back-to-back was Matt Murray during the 2018-19 season. Well, and they, they were sure. Yeah, that right. makes sense. And they and they just did that with DeSmith um, this weekend. So m- my thought process is that, okay, if you're going to throw your your number two guy in there for two back-to-back games that you, you really need to s- secure some points in, that leads me to believe that Jari's – going to be back on this trip and he is on the trip he has been practicing with the team and he's even told us when we asked him you know were, were you practicing at full was it a limited capacity he said i don't know yeah that's um that's where it's the, the drama i think is going to come to an end tuesday night or if there is any drama about this uh, he just needs to get out there 
and play. I asked uh, to what we were just discussing. I asked Chris Letang last night. Uh, I keep wanting to call it Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena. I, I want. I asked uh, Letang how he felt about the team's start and uh, the way the team was performing and whether or not some of that would have outweighed the final score. And this was what he had to say. At the end of the day, uh, we're looking at the performance, the way we came out. I thought we, we, we did a good job in the first. It's just that, um, like I said, it doesn't go your way. You have to stay in the fight and you don't want the, the score to get too big. So um, you know, we have to shake it off and look at it. Now, there was another subject matter of note uh, in the game last night, and that was Sidney Crosby completely losing it. Not so much on Mikey Anderson for the cross-check to his upper back, but Sid hates anything up here. Well, you know who he hates more, Garrett oh, Rank. He, they all <laughs> hate Garrett Rank more. That, of course, was one of the two referees. Uh, he's become the new Wes McCauley in the Penguins world. Uh, you can tell. You and I are standing next to each other when Mike Sullivan's out there, and Sullivan – uses Rank's name. By na- and, and Sullivan this, doesn't do that. Even, even when he is upset with the officiating after the game, he'll, he'll be real short and sweet and say, you know, you guys saw what was going on or whatever. But he, he used Garrett Rank. He, he referenced him by name. And I think that just goes to show that and, – and they've, they've had their plenty of run-ins here over the past several seasons. Nothing – I think that – I think it was all – last night was maybe a culmination of those previous issues. And in, in, it, in fairness to Rank, though, okay, the, the initial calls, the 10-minute the misconducts on both players was weird, okay? Uh, the cross-check was called. Sid wanted to come back and kind of you know, engage and say something else to him because, again, Sid really, really hates it. Anything upper back and on a neck, he goes ballistic. Well, n- well, not only that, but Crosby claims that it was Mikey Anderson who was hollering at him as, as Anderson was going to the box. Mm-hmm. So, as and, and Crosby said, when Anderson was hollering at him, he couldn't really hear what he said. So, he got closer to him uh, as Anderson was going toward mm-hmm. the box, which is pretty typical. It's it's Yeah, it's nothing outrageous, but then – when Sid gets the misconduct, he wants to find out from Rank what he got it from, okay? And he starts following him all around the ring. This is for those of you who didn't stay up till 2 in the morning watching this. And, look, at that point, he's like a baseball manager using the F word. He's begging to get tossed, okay? He actually wants to give me that final minute and change because there was like 10 and a half minutes left yeah. in the game. Just kick me out, man. Yeah, it, it- – it, it was very bizarre because if you go back and watch the replay of, of Crosby going over, they, they definitely got up and, and were mm-hmm. jabbing at each other a little bit. But there, w- there was nothing there. Like this, w- this was a giant nothing burger of an exchange. And we see so much worse go uncalled after the whistle all the time, yet somehow it resulted in, in two 10-minute misconducts for these players. I don't know. I... There's, you know, I think it was Anderson was going to the box and saying something to me. So him and I kind of exchanged words. And then next thing I know, I was told I got a 10, which, I mean, I mean, can I really say what I think anyway? I mean, let's be honest here. So let's. Now, the funny thing about that is that, like. Can I really say what I think? <laughs> That's fu- not Sid. The funny thing about that is that Crosby was still sitting in. In his locker stall, well after 
the the game had concluded. Like we, I I went into the locker room not expecting to there, see. Yeah. He he was he should have been showered and and ready. He to wanted go. To, I think he wanted to say something. That's I think all. He, I think he did too. Yeah, they they want to make sure that a referee is aware when they feel they're being targeted by a guy. And I have seen that pattern in the past where Sid would hang around after, let's say, a really rough game against the Flyers, obviously going back a while, um, that he'd want to make a case of some kind here. Let's go to some of your questions here. Austin asks if Jan Ruda will be back Tuesday. Penguins miss him a lot. Uh, he is eligible to come off LTIR for the game here Tuesday in San Jose. Um, he did have a full practice with the team. Um, however, he had a full practice. And tomorrow here in L.A., they have another practice. Now, if he can get through two of them and look good, you know, yes. <laughs> and, and I, good hockey player. I, I think we'll have a pretty good idea uh, that the Penguins will most likely um, run through line rushes um, when they practice tomorrow. And typically day before a, a game, those lines are going to be the same lineup that we're going to see the following night or whenever the next game is. So um, if Ruta is on one of the, the first three defense pairings, that would probably bode pretty well for his chances of playing Tuesday night. If not, then I wouldn't expect. Zach asks, I love Mike Sullivan. Why? Why does he start Casey DeSmith on the second night of a back-to-back? Um, it turned out not to matter. Neither of these goaltenders is very good. I'm trying to find a nice way to say that. I'm probably not going to pull it off. Okay. DeSmith is better than Tokarski. Tokarski is a minor league goalie to the bone. Okay. So I think it goes more to what, what Danny was saying earlier, which is that they're either hoping or pushing for Jari to come back finally uh, Tuesday in San Jose and then figuring, all right, we would ride Jari from there for a while. You have three division games coming when they get right. home. Um, you know, why not? Yeah, and and the other thing is they might just not trust Tukarski all that much, which is a little concerning because this past offseason, uh, the Penguins, you could make the case that the Penguins have lost in the first round the past couple of years because of poor goaltending or the absence of, of good goaltending. Um, and they addressed that this year by signing a guy that they're not even comfortable playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Mm. Black Cat's daddy observes in that video that we just showed, says, were my eyes deceiving? Sid the kid with gray hair? I mean, you know what? I've heard this thing about Father Time being undefeated, you know? Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, I mean, that is that is really something here. Denny says, hey, guys, they either come out flat and don't score or they come out strong and not score. As Sully said, you can't go from an A game to an F game. What's the solution? Um, I've got one for you, Denny. Get some saves early on, okay? It can't be like you like you're observing last night. Uh, that's correct. The first period, the Kings weren't flat, and I, that surprised me a little bit considering the length of the ceremony and that they hadn't played more than a week. Okay, that was their bye week. That was them coming out, and they came out just fine. But <laughs> you got to get a save. This isn't that complicated of a sport at the end of the day. Yeah, you know? I, I was talking to Marcus Pedersen after the game last night, and he, I'm sitting there. It's like you guys came out pretty well, and mm-hmm. but he, he's sitting there talking. He's like, "There, when you go down three goals, especially that early in the game, of course you're going to want to keep pressing, but it's it's so much harder." And you could you could even see it as the game went on when they're down four and then five goals. It's 
you know, it's it's frustrating to see them play that way, but they know they're not coming back. They, they, it, it's 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 really tough, but it, it all goes back to when the when you're not able to put the puck in the net early, you've got to get those timely saves. And the Penguins were giving up some some looks from, I would say they weren't ideal locations, but again, you need to come up with some saves. Mm-hmm. And and the I believe it was the second goal that the Smith allowed was just incredibly leaky, and it, it was a, just a backbreaking goal, even though it only put the Kings up two nothing. It was it was just oh, it was one of those that lets you know. You're going to have to, to win this game. It sends a signal to your entire team. You can do this. They've come back. But you're going to have to score five goals or whatever it is against a really good team in their house on an emotional night. And it's just, you know. Uh, Brent says, do you think the Penguins will make a trade for a goalie? I don't. I don't either. I'm. If I'm Ron Hextall and I find some magical way to develop cap relief, I am focused entirely on replacing Jeff Carter. Oh yeah, there, there's no okay. question about it. I, I think any cap space that you can create in any organizational assets, whether it's P.O. Joseph, Ty Smith, any of the prospects like Owen Pickering, draft the, picks. the first round pick that they've gotten this next draft, all of that should go toward finding a play driving third line center. Yeah, and, and so how you would dovetail that with also getting a goalie, no. This is one of those where you just say, hey guys, uh, buck up, play better. Well, and, and that's the thing. Coming into the season with virtually no cap space, Hextall made, essentially made the Penguins' bed coming into the season and didn't give himself any wiggle room if his brand-new team that he put together were to fall flat. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, wow. That's a tough situation, but you know what? It was a self-dug hole. Right. Well, it you don't I, have to sign Kasperi Kapan into a three million dollar two year. Yeah, I, I know we talk about it all the time, but Hextall loves to bring up you know the the salary cap. And, yeah, as and, if and it was dropped on cap. his head. And you know we we talk a lot about Jim Rutherford didn't kind of left him a bit of a mess, which is true. But we're now two two seasons into into Hextall, two and a half seasons really into mm-hmm. into Hextall's tenure as as the team's GM. And you go back and look at some of the the worst contracts on this team. He signed them. Yep. How about that? Mike says 19 days and four home games left before March 3. Who will likely play their last game in Pittsburgh this month? That's Mike trying to just ask who's going to get traded. Uh I, I will take the easiest possible route here. Nobody. Nobody. There's no precedent for this, Mike. They, they don't make any changes. Brock McGinn is out there, barely visible. No points. Not no goals. No points since December 22. 
Do you know how hard that is to be a National Hockey League forward and not score a single point in 19 games? Well, the other thing with that, too, is that it's not like he's been playing on the fourth line like he did for a majority of last season. No, he's, he's been getting third-line minutes. And he's not doing anything with them other than being part of a pretty good penalty kill unit. And there is value in that, but not that much. You know, there are other people who can do that. Uh, I'd, I'd find a way to teach further drew o'connor some penalties and get him out there and again well i, I i'm glad you brought him up because i i do he's I know, here i know i know we just said that the penguins have had their legs these past two games but at times they, they've looked pretty lethargic and, and low energy how do you how do you fix that you he's get here. young fresh hungry he's legs here. into the lineup he's with us and drew o'connor i can tell you from the conversations that i've had with him that he is extremely hungry and you can even see that he's been shifting his game to fit more of a bottom six mold where he's effective on the forecheck, willing to embrace contact and contact and, and be a little gritty to to earn himself a spot in the lineup, yet we still keep getting McGinn. Clint Novak says, does the Jeff Petrie trade make sense looking back at it? You know, I remember that with trades, one thing to bear in mind is that you can look at whether they make sense in the moment and you can also look at whether they make sense down the road. It tends to be two very different conversations in most cases. Uh, with Petrie, I'm going to guess, Clint, that you're asking because Mike Matheson had a really nice game <laughs> yesterday for Montreal. Okay, and that's fair. Okay, because that, that's when you start thinking of stuff like this. Uh, I've liked Petrie. I've liked him on the ice. I've liked him off the ice. He busted the wrist when he was just getting there. In fact, he and I had a good talk about this down in Anaheim a couple days ago. He was just getting to where he needed, not just in his own game, but also within the Penguins game, bearing in mind that he's new to the team. So I, I like it. There wasn't a future component that was lost, you know. So here's how I feel about the, the Petrie deal. And I, I do kind of teeter with it a little bit because, you know, like I just said, the Penguins could really use some youth in this lineup. Um, and, and Petrie's now 35 and his, his, his best hockey is, is definitely behind him. Um, but with that being said, we've already seen that he can seamlessly step into the, up as the team's number one in the absence of Chris Letang. Um, and even though I, I think he still has a little bit to give more offensively, which might come around with, with a little more time, like you said, he was mm -hmm. just getting comfortable before that wrist injury, and now he's only got a handful of games under his belt since he's been back. But the thing about Petrie is that the difference between the offensive impact he provides not only with his, his shooting – but just the ability to drive play offensively. He does too. The discrepancy between that and John Marino is huge. Yeah. And I, I know everybody was going crazy earlier this year about the hot start that Marino had. But if now that some time has passed and you look, Marino is basically the same he's player the same now guy, yeah. with strong defensive impacts, but he's also hurting his team in the offensive zone. And the Penguins needed, especially – they, they needed that from the back end, yeah. and Petrie can provide that, and I, th I think more of that is going to come along. We've been seeing him make more plays. Danny likes Petrie. That's the answer here. <laughs> That's the answer here. The icon asks, do you guys smell a trade brewing? The team desperately needs to boost the third line. How about a Kapanen trade to the Canucks? Okay, I, I'm not into the fake trades and stuff, and the, there's uh, I see another one on here that I haven't uh, put on the screen yet. Could Calgary be interested in Carter with the – the Sutter connection. No, Carter's these, not. These aren't, these guys, aren't Carter is not people. going anywhere. Car Carter's not going anywhere. There's, there's not thirty-one out of thirty-one other general managers. There's no one dumb enough to take him, no. and it won't not over sentimentality or anything. If they wouldn't take him here, they're, they're not going to take him anywhere because they actually still like him here. 
which is a little concerning in and of itself. And, and that, that seems to stem not only from, from the head coach, but the players as well. Oh, I was talking about the Kings. You're talking about the Penguins. I'm, I'm talking That's about That's concerning. Yeah. I'm talking about the Penguins too. Yeah. I, I mean, think about it. And I, Mike Sullivan and nobody on the in the Penguins front office or on their coaching staff is an idiot, and they have way more they have way more access to information that we couldn't Infinitely even think so. of. Infinitely. But so. that being said, I don't know how you could get to this point of the season after Carter played the way he did the entire second half of last season and continue to trot him out as your number three center. It's jokes. Actually, hang on a second. I want to be careful with this wording here. It's not that he's the number three center. It's that he's a center because the number three thing is a just a BS designation with this team. It, everyone knows who's associated with this team that the Teddy Bluger line now with Ryan Paling playing as well as he is, Josh Archibald back, is the more effective line. The reason that the depth chart is stacked the way it is is out of respect for Carter, so you don't look like you're demoting him to the fourth line. Well, I, I think that kind of leads into a, a greater issue that we've seen with this team this season is that there, there's maybe been a little too much respect for guys that have accomplished things in the past that maybe they're not accomplishing now, like Brian Dumlin, who is he's he's been fine, I guess, on the top pairing recently. Since, mm-hmm. But again, earlier in the season when he was on the ice for basically every goal that the Penguins were given up and he was continuing to be trotted out there. And we've also seen that he's been put back on the top pairing as soon as the opportunity presented every time, itself. Every time. Mike says, of course, Carter won't be traded, but do you guys sense that he knows he's cooked? Or is he too prideful? I wonder if he thinks about hanging it up this summer. Carter knows he's cooked because he is always out of the locker room, whether it's a practice, a game. You will rarely, rarely see him in the locker room. He is always the first one out of there. He doesn't, and- want, to, he doesn't want to face Pittsburgh reporters. That's, that's not just me and Danny mm-hmm. and, and, and Taylor on our staff. It, he doesn't. He doesn't want to be anywhere near any of us. And that's the we're only- radioactive to him, and I, he proved it last night. Boy, because he saw the LA guys and started chumming it and, up. Hey, <laughs> and he's talking to the LA reporters, and of course, the rest of us, you know, all go like right around him, like, "Hey, where? Hey, as long as you're standing here and actually accessible for the first time in what is it, several weeks, probably longer than longer that. than that." Um, we were going to ask questions too. Guess what ended up happening? Got cut off. Got cut off right when I was about to ask mine. Yeah, it, that that's the only thing that makes sense. There's Not the, by him, by the way, team official. Right. Okay. Uh, th- that's the only thing that makes sense is that he knows he's cooked and, and simply doesn't want to talk about it. Because Unlike Duma, by the way, Brian Dumoulin has been the exact opposite in this regard. Yeah, he 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 stands in there and every day, every day, he's he's answering questions, including Dumo. Why are you struggling so much? Or Dumo, is this tough for you? Or whatever else, you know. By the way, he's played pretty well on this trip. Decent, I should say. And and that's not to suggest that Carter <clears throat> needs to be sitting at his stall waiting for reporters to come swarm no, him. No, we're after, not that important. After every single <laughs> event. But the fact that he's never, ever there. And guys aren't always going to be available after after every time they hit the ice. Mm-hmm. But if, if, you, if you want to talk to a guy, you can pretty much guarantee that you can get him over a span of, of two events when they hit the ice. Sure. Carter, we, we go months without seeing him. Eric Bowser says, wouldn't it be nice to have Drew O'Connor on the forecheck instead of the abyss of nothingness from, again, Carter and Kapanen, especially the forecheck, though. Uh, Eric's right. It, what, what, you, what you want more than anything, more than goals, more than 
the physicality that, uh, you know, O'Connor told me that that's what the coaches are preaching to him, whatever, as if that's a thing with them. Uh, his physicality is that he does this like giant pterodactyl swoop into the offensive zone and brings bodies with him. And everybody has this big crashing moment in the corner. And guess who comes out of the puck? It comes out with the puck. The Penguins. Yeah. It, or he does specifically. Oh, yeah. And but, I, I'll always I'll do this with Danny. I'll nudge him and I'll say, <laughs> the one-man forecheck. The human forecheck. Human forecheck is what I say, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It, O'Connor's a very straight-ahead player, and it that bodes well for what, what the Penguins are asking of him and, and how he's kind of trying to transform his game to earn himself a spot in the lineup. And it, it, when, you, when you're trotting – half these guys in the bottom six out there that aren't doing this or think they're guys in the top six trying to make spinning blind passes off the half wall from the defensive zone right back into a counterattack that ends up in your own net. It's it's insanity to me that he's, he's still struggling to get into the lineup. And I don't think he played poorly. Even, I, I understand that forechecking, there's a lot more to playing hockey than forechecking yep. and that forechecking alone isn't going to earn you a he's spot. He's been fine. But he's been fine. On the breakouts – uh, good passes between the blue lines, or better yet, you know, Chip and Chase in his case. Uh, and you know, you've seen he scored, he scores goals. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, doesn't matter what he does. You know. Uh, two more today. Bryn says, "Do Hextall and Burke survive the off season?" I'm going to answer that in a weird way, and then throw it to Danny. I will believe that the Fenway Sports Group gives a flying crap about this operation when they start changing light bulbs at PPG Paints Arena, when they get rid of those awful Vegas gold faded seats in the lower bowl, and when they're even remotely visible, other than Geno's thousandth game, they haven't been seen. Yeah, FSG is is nowhere to it's be just found. Just a non-entity. Um, my answer to that question, I, I'm not really sure yet. I, I think it's going to depend on how the rest of the season pay, plays out. Um, if, if the Penguins end up missing the playoffs, I'd probably have a tough time seeing this regime stay stay in control. Um, but if they do make the playoffs and, and lose in the first round, maybe that's still the same case. But at that point, we're maybe splitting hairs here because I don't think there's anybody that really thinks this is a, a cup contender or a team that can go on a run here. So even if they do squeak in and, and lose in the first round, is it really going to even surprise anybody? Mm -hmm. I, it's it's tough to say. We are two hours from kickoff. Oh, boy. Now we're getting chased out. That's the alarm going off at our hotel. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Steeler Nation asks our Super Bowl predictions. We can shout it over the alarm. I've got Eagles by three. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the Eagles as well. I'll take Eagles by six. Oh, now it ends. All right. So anyway, yeah, I have I, my thinking on Philadelphia is uh, the Eagles' internal pressure from the defensive line between Fletcher Cox and our old friend Javon Hargrave is going to force Patrick Mahomes to move from the pocket, which normally would be a great thing for the Chiefs. But but it will not be on this day because I don't believe he's anywhere near 100%. Oh, no, that, that was abundantly clear in the, in the in championship the, game. In the, in the mm -hmm. AFC championship game. Yeah, no question about that. Anyway, thanks, guys, uh, for watching everything else. It's available on podcast uh, afterward on all platforms. We're everywhere. Oh, no, here they go. All again. right, we're Bye. out of here. <laughs>